the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Ghost and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. Our recent shows in Magic Markets Premium have included platforms like TripAdvisor, technology businesses like Salesforce, luxury consumer brands like LVMH and Aston Martin, and even an old-school industrials group like 3M. For just 99 Rand a month and no minimum commitment, there is no better way to learn about international stocks and how to research them. Visit magic-markets.com to sign up today. Welcome to episode 135 of Magic Markets. And Mo, I think this week we're looking forward to talking about some of the recent trades we've made in our portfolio. Some buyers, some sells perhaps, but just a nice opportunity to talk through some of the stuff we've each done recently. And uh, obviously some of that will be based on what we've learned, I think, in Magic Markets Premium. You know, we always tell people that we do very much eat our own cooking there and we do so it's going to be quite interesting to see what you've been up to yeah ghost i think how this discussion comes about is that a couple of weeks ago i was sitting looking at something and you know we, you tend to get lazy sometimes even pruning your own portfolio rebalancing takes a back seat you're putting some positions you tend to forget about them and you have to pay attention i think that's what's so important is you have to pay attention because sometimes stocks run a little ahead of where we expect them to go and if you get to bank that profit along the way, well, well done, you know, and we're going to try and unpack some of the winners, some of the losers. How are we rebalancing or how have we rebalanced our portfolios in the last couple of weeks? And I think it, it started off, Ghost, with you highlighting to me that, you know, Microsoft, a stock that we both like, that we've covered in Magic Markets Premium as well, that was a stock that looked as though it had run quite far ahead. And you'd said, mm, no, I don't know, maybe I should take some profit on this one, which was a bit surprising to me. I wasn't paying attention and I know how much you love that stock, Ghost. I know it's such a core to your portfolio, but I then went and I had a look and I said, well, actually, Ghost is onto something here. Maybe let's take some of the money off the table. So why don't we kick off there and let's talk about Microsoft from your side, because that's really what kicked off this entire process for me after I was a little bit asleep at the wheel. Uh, yeah, let's start with Microsoft. So it looked like it was forming quite a double top there. Mo, and you're very much the technical expert between the two of us. I look more fundamentals, but I've learned a thing or two about tech, so it was nice to test the idea with you. I mean, it's been a mega year, right, for the NASDAQ. I looked the other day. It's had a monster of a year. It's very much AI-driven. And if you have a look at it, a stock like Microsoft had been traded all the way up to what looked like a pretty big resistance level. And again, it becomes an upside-downside from there. A lot of it becomes personal as well. You know, how much exposure do you want to equities? Do you need cash at the moment? Whatever the case may be. And with me in South Africa, obviously, there's a dollar rand debate as well. And trying to time all of it is obviously extremely difficult. It's quite frustrating because I sold out on Microsoft and a couple of other US stocks, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And I was just too late. Literally, the cash was in the process of settling and the rand suddenly got this breath of fresh air after, uh, you know, against the dollars. Very frustrating. Not good for South Africa, but frustrating as hell for me. So I'm just going to sit in dollar cash for now. And I'm kind of hoping, even though it's not what people want, that the rand, you know, makes its merry way back towards around 19. So I can bring some more of it back because, you know, a few weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago now, when everyone was talking about how awful it was and it was high 19s, I was bringing dollars back home. It's the old story, right? You know, you've got to buy when something's, you know, horribly cheap and no one wants it. It's the same with currencies. It's not different. Yeah, Ghost. In fact, you're probably one of those people at this stage rooting for the RAND to get weaker, as you've indicated. 
Uh, and I, I'm still rooting for it to get a little bit stronger because I'm the other way around from you, right? I generally need to try and buy dollars. And so the stronger the RAND is for me, certainly the better. With Microsoft though, I mean, I, I must highlight when you had kind of pointed out to me, this is looking as though it's a little bit topish. You know, that stock was trading around the 350-ish odd mark. And why I highlight this is that you're never gonna get the timing on the RAND or on a particular stock exactly right. So if you're out there, don't beat yourself up if, you, if these happen to you as well, because they happen to the best of us out there in the market as well. The stock subsequently rallied a further, give or take $20. It then peaked and now it's pulled back to where it was, you know, around the 340s, 350s. So even the timing on the stocks, you're not gonna get it perfectly right. I'm hoping to kind of compensate you for the move in the RAND that you managed to get out of Microsoft at a slightly higher price than I was. I was around the, the kind of the 350-ish odd mark. That stock did, like I say, go up to around 370. And hopefully that differential helped you out a little bit on the, let's call it implied loss that you would have picked up on, on the RAND, on the currency. Yeah, it's just one of those things. You can't beat yourself up too much about these things. I mean, I did well out of Microsoft and I've left some exposure there. I didn't exit all of it. I mean, it is Microsoft, right? Interestingly, the one I didn't cut is Apple because it kind of just charged through what looked like the same double top and just said, no thanks and off I go. Because Apple is just, you know, the pinnacle of all business, really. Like, let's, <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. That's how it is. But the other one I sold was uh, Meta and again, that was just a rebalancing. I was too deep in meta because I'd bought the dip, you know, the dip of all dips, you may recall. So I bought that thing and then ignored it. So by the time it had actually recovered, it turned out to be a nice trade. By the time it had actually recovered, the position size was actually just too big compared to everything else because I'd bought that dip. So that was another one that I got out of. Come on, Mo, what's another one from you? We better go 1-1 one, one here. Otherwise, we'll be talking just about my trades. Now, I'm going to touch on both of those because, again, I've, I've kind of looked at that. Meta, interestingly enough, I, I looked at and was considering shorting it. Now, they're due to come out with results pretty soon. And, and given, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's flip-flopping from the metaverse to AI to, you know, now threads, you know, which maybe he's going to call Y because Elon's calling Twitter X. You know, I, I mean, who, who knows what's out there, right? But Meta, I looked at, and then because of the risk around earnings season right now, I've set that one out. So I haven't done anything yet. But Apple, dare I say, you know, Apple, the, the pinnacle of all business, but even the pinnacle of all business goes, we, we, we frequently highlight how it's so important to understand what you pay for those businesses. And I think Apple, to me, looks as though it's gotten a little bit ahead. So dare I say, I've actually opened a small spec short position on Apple around current levels. This is a fresh, a new position. I've set a very tight stop loss. So if this thing rallies a little bit further beyond where I'm comfortable, it's going to close me out and I'm not uncomfortable with managing risk that way. But I will tell you what I have done because we don't only want to talk about your trades. I know you're not going to let me get away with that. <laughs> Let's talk about one that you always beat me up about and that's Netflix, right? So Everyone who listens to the show, who kind of joined us in Magic Markets Premium as well, will know we've covered Netflix a number of times. And the reason for this is, A, it's a very interesting business, but B, it was just this fascinating story when there was a lot of hype around the narrative, around content, around platforms, and that stock peaked. I mean, it peaked all the way up at around, I think it was around 700, 700 odd dollars. It then collapsed and fell in a heap all the way down to around 200. Now, I haven't quite ridden that entire thing. I didn't get in right at the top, but I had ridden Netflix down quite comfortably from around the 400s all the way down to around the, let's call it, I think it, it dropped down to as low as like 170. I stand corrected on that. But I held through that. I guess it was similar to your meta. I didn't buy the dip though, so I, did, I wasn't brave enough to increase my position size in there. Maybe I should have but it's enjoyed this fantastic rally. It's rallied from those levels up to just about $400.
and I've now taken that position off. So net net, I think, you know, I, I did average down a little bit, not quite the dip. Net net, I think I came out square on Netflix. Um, is it a bad business? No. I still think there's some merit to the business. I know we have very different opinions here. I think some of the cards up the sleeve I was talking about around password sharing, that's starting to come through as well. And so it's one I would maybe look at again, but I wanted to take the position off the table just from a psychological perspective. So I've sold out of Netflix. Uh, I, in fact, dare I say again, maybe worth a speculative short at current levels just from a tactical, from a short-term trading perspective. So that's one that's happened. Another one that I know goes through and I maybe disagreed with to some degree was Tesla. Now, Tesla was not a stock that I had held when we had covered it in Magic Markets Premium. I think we looked at the business and then it fell and the trading signals were there and I managed to get into Tesla it's also enjoyed a bit of a bounce, but I've taken that off the table right now, simply because I think it's run just purely on the technicals, it's run quite hard. And then there are a couple of headwinds coming in as well. I mean, if I just look at the market, fundamentally here in North America, there's a lot of new entrants in the markets in terms of electric vehicles, like we discussed as a risk in Magic Markets Premium, coming from VW and Mercedes and BMW and all of the established motor manufacturers. So that for me means that maybe some of the Tesla allure has lost some of its shine and I've, I've taken that off the table as well. I was behind a Mercedes electric car in Cape Town earlier today, actually. And I'm a diehard petrol head and I can tell you that was a fabulous looking thing. So yeah, the Tupperware Teslas, I'm not sure quite as strong as people think, but hey, it makes money sometimes in the market for you. Interesting enough, year today, Tesla's flat. No, over one year, I lie. Tesla's flat, Netflix, 97% up. Mo, so huge rally in Netflix after that big dip buying exercise. I suppose the dip that I caught was Meta. And if you manage to get it right on Netflix, you know, then that works, that works well. And speaking of Disney, go and draw that over five years versus Netflix. Disney has been the perennial disappointment for both of us, I think. Over five years, Netflix up 21, Disney down 23.5 as they continue to just make movies that just polarize people and are not necessarily what everyone wants to see. It's, uh, yeah, I just don't understand why it gets so political. In kids' movies, just make kids' movies that people want to see. Where is the Lion King? I'll even take the Lion King 25, Pumbaa's Revenge. Anything that just sorts out the share price would be incredibly nice. But uh, perhaps we should move on from that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. And, and, and the reason why I'm laughing is I now, when I look at my portfolio, I, and I'll, I'll share this, right? Disney is honestly, I think, my worst position in the portfolio currently. And it's because we both like the business, right? We like the business. I think there were some strong elements to the business. That being said, in our recap in Magic Markets Premium, not too long ago, we did highlight some additional risks. There have been some management changes. You know, the old CEO has come back in again. So when I see that code, DIS, DIS, for me, it stands for dismal or disappointing. You know, right now, it's down at $86 a share as we're speaking right now. I think the last time it got here was maybe when I, I got quite excited around Disney in, in the pandemic slump, when it fell down there. I actually got some stock in the 80s back then. Again, it's been a portfolio holding for me for a long time and then kind of rode it up. But I must say I'm underwater on Disney right now. At, at $86, I'm underwater because I did like the story. I've added to the position from levels slightly higher up and it just continues to grind along. I now bucket Disney, believe it or not. I had had a Chinese stock in here a while ago. Ghost used to make fun of me with a stock called Huya. Huya, you remember Huya. Now Huya's gone, right? Because Huya was just so small. Eventually I said, this is a waste of time. I actually cut that position. But Disney now goes in the same bucket as some Chinese stocks that I'm holding 
and I'm holding them just waiting for a little bit of a bounce to come through. I mean, we can throw in Alibaba and Tencent. They've, I've written a lot of that down. I'm still up on some of them, but I've written a lot of that down. And I now throw Disney into that bucket because Disney equals dismal. Uh, not cutting it quite yet because it just doesn't make sense. And I'm certainly hoping they get their act together because I know hope is not a strategy and I should be a lot more disciplined about this, but hey, it's Disney, right? Yeah, well, that's it. I keep telling myself the same thing. At some point, sanity will prevail, quote, unquote. I, I don't know. I don't know when that's going to be. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see what plays out there. So another one that I recently sold uh, off the back of Magic Markets premium work. Well, actually, there are two, both in the travel industry. So TripAdvisor, after we covered it, I sold that because it just, yeah, we just very bearish on that thing. And I think we're right. We'll see how that plays out. But another travel stock that I cut that had done better for me was Carnival Corporation. It's had a mega year of recovery. So basically what I did was back in the pandemic, I bought a basket of, of travel stocks for want of a better description. I figured they, you know, the travel industry couldn't possibly go away. I wasn't going to try and pick a winner in the, in the depths of the pandemic. And funnily enough, I thought TripAdvisor was the dead cert, right? Has no assets. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have lots of debt, but uh, it's got other problems. Stuff like Carnival Corporation, the, the equity's done incredibly well. And, you know, what we discovered when we dug into it in Magic Markets Premium is, although you can't see it from the market cap, in reality, the assets have actually made a full recovery in value. The problem is that the banks now own a much bigger piece of them than before. So I think... Well, I felt that the, you know, the equity running Carnival Corporation had probably run out of steam a little bit. I didn't want to own a, a you know, a cruises business long term. It's not exactly top of your Christmas list of businesses that are going to make you a lot of money. And so that was another one that I recently cut. Yeah, and I, I think one I want to share as well, and it's, it's not because I think it's a bad business rather than it's run really hard. It's, it's, it's one that I've had in the portfolio for a while. It's also a stock that we covered a long time ago in Magic Markets Premium. And I know this one surprised you, Ghost. It surprised you a little bit. And that's Visa. Now, Visa, we know, is a powerhouse of a company. It's something that we've covered. You know, they're just so defensive. It's effectively this duopoly in the world of, of credit cards and payment systems with MasterCard. And I know you own both of those. Or I think at least that you own both of those. I know you own MasterCard. And for me, looking at Visa, and again, they're out with results. So by the time the show goes live, we'll know whether I'm an idiot or not. <laughs> but Visa's coming out with results. And I'll tell you why I sold it is I was lucky enough to buy the stock in the upper 100. So you're talking around 190 there and thereabouts. And it's enjoyed a strong rally since then. We're talking around 240, you know, just ahead, in fact, in, uh, on the last couple of weeks worth of trades. But the reason I sold it is we had American Express out with results last week. And despite the fact that the results were really good, they disappointed the market. And I said, let's pause for a second. Is there a disconnect between, again, the business fundamentals versus the market expectation? And I felt it's probably worthwhile taking some of that money off the table. So Visa, I must say, surprised me as well. But I, I just want to caution myself here. This was a discipline exercise for me is that don't get married to a position. You know, don't be emotionally invested in a position. I think that's the lesson I've learned from, from Disney, even though I haven't cut it yet, is I wrote it all the way down here. In fact, Ghost, you'll recall a conversation we had on the sidebar a couple of months ago, Disney was still in around the 120 odd mark. And I said, geez, I think I should cut my Disney position. It's not working out for me. And then I didn't, right? And now we're down in the 80s. So I didn't want to run the same risk with the likes of a visa. It's a great stock. I liked it. However, having made decent money, felt the need to bank that profit and maybe redeploy some of that capital. And I, th I think that's really the linchpin here is that you can't be lazy with your capital. You've got to keep 
you know, taking some of that profit and reinvesting it into what you think are your best ideas. And sometimes on Magic Markets Premium, I mean, we don't go into our analysis there looking for the best ideas. We go into it saying, what does this company tell us? What does it look like? Sometimes it's a stock we think we know something about. In fact, this week is a great example. We're covering Johnson & Johnson. So if you're a subscriber to Magic Markets Premium, go and check that out because we thought we knew what that business looked like. But when you unpack what are the key drivers driving that financial performance, man, you learn so much. And that's really the value of that exercise for me in terms of how I bring that into my own rebalancing, my own contextualization. And in that process, if you find slightly better ideas as you move along, as you educate yourself, as you cover more and more stocks in the universe, why not redeploy that capital to where you can get the best risk-adjusted return? Speaking of returns, Visa over five years, 71%, S&P 500, 61. So some outperformance there of the index, not mega, the 10% over five years in dollars is not to be sneezed at, definitely not. But yeah, visas, it is. It's one of those long-term holds, generally speaking, unless you want to sort of play it a bit more carefully on earnings and pullbacks and everything else. It's a very good example of a nice underpinning a portfolio, like Johnson & Johnson, like PepsiCo. It's another one we've covered before, actually, which is just a rock-solid player. We did Yum Brands at one point. I seem to remember that also came out with much the same story as PepsiCo in terms of long-term, you know, nice consumer-facing businesses. It's, it's easy to forget the long-term story. And, and obviously, you know, for listeners who are looking for just good, solid stuff to buy for the long-term, that's actually a very different strategy to looking for shorter-term positions or, you know, if you really enjoy the markets like we do, a nice mix of the two, you know, some long-term stuff and then some stuff in a trading portfolio and a little bit of speculative stuff, which might enthrall you and irritate you in equal measure, but it's only a couple of percent of your portfolio. You know, what you should definitely not be doing is picking Disney as your hill to die on, you know, and, and having 20% in there or 30% because you will die. Like that's what will happen to you. You know, you might get one right and you might do incredibly well, but you may you may also die. It's just not worth it. So, you know, in your portfolio, just be clear on why you're buying something and what the strategy is. And and that's going to be a, a big ingredient for success, actually. Yeah, in fact, you, you bring up a very important point. And, and maybe this is the, the last point that I want to leave with our listeners from my side this week is that some of the stocks I've highlighted here this week that I've taken profit on, some of those sit in my trading portfolio. But some of them also sit in my core long portfolio and it was around the discipline of you know, just managing the risk, taking some profit, recycling that in the, in the portfolio. It's not to say I wouldn't consider some of those back in the core long portfolio again in time or increasing that position. A great example there is Visa. I still think it's a phenomenal business. If it gets a smackdown on earnings, for example, guess what? That might just give us an opportunity to get involved again. Microsoft, a similar story, is that in the core long portfolio, I suspect a lot of investors that are serious about this, and there's a lot of literature on both sides of the coin here saying, do you run a more concentrated portfolio with a couple of core positions and just not a whole bunch of names, or do you run massive diversification? What's the sweet spot? And it does differ based on, you know, are you playing in the large cap space? Are you playing in the mid to small cap space? The answer is different. In the mid to small cap space, the diversification helps you. In the large cap space, fewer names mean that you, you get the beta of the market without actually having to do a lot of this work and having 20, 30, 40 different stocks in your portfolio. So I'm looking at position sizing roughly around 2% of the total portfolio. That implies 25 in total. But in reality, I probably execute on less than that. I have a slightly more concentrated portfolio. I've let some of those run. And in this instance, where they have run, take some of the money off, park it in cash, 
In aggregate right now, I must say over the last month, I've probably de-risked my portfolio a lot more than I had done over the course of the last year. And it's, it's just because of where things have gone. It's not expressing a view. By the time this podcast goes out, we will know what the US Federal Reserve is doing. We will know whether that's given us a risk on or a risk off impulse. But that doesn't matter because when you drill this down to a stock by stock basis, sometimes they're just great companies, great stocks that get ahead of themselves. And sometimes they're great companies and great stocks that are just undervalued and present the right opportunities. Absolutely. I think it's been a fun show. Let's leave it there. We're sticking to our sort of 20-minute discipline. We've had some good feedback that people enjoy the shorter shows. I think we enjoy them as well. So let's call it a day for episode 135. Thank you to our listeners. Please, uh, you know, share it with your friends. And of course, share it on social media. But most of all, message us. Tell us what you think. What have you been buying and selling? Anything similar? Anything different? There's nothing better than engagement with those listening to the show. So thank you very much. And we look forward to being back in your earphones next week. Thanks. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.